Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you, man, for just an incredible uh, time just leading up to the time that will open God's Word. And I'm grateful uh, that there uh, is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. And he is... Uh, great and he is worthy of our praise. As we started out this morning, there's joy in the house of the Lord. And we must not be quiet. We shout out his praise. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, that we have been able to gather, Lord, as your people. God, and we, we come declaring, Lord, your great name. And God, we're thankful, Lord, that today we will be able to experience and take part of baptism of believers that have placed their faith and trust in you. God, we pray for our time at the river, God, that you may be glorified, Lord, and that you may, uh, your gospel, Lord, may be given in a beautiful picture, God, as as those are are buried with you in baptism and raised to new life. God, a picture of what has happened on the inside, Lord, and that changed, Lord, for all of us who have been born again into the family of God, Lord, we're grateful that, Lord, what happens on the inside makes a difference on the outside as you write our story, God, as you lead us and you guide us in the power of your spirit. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for our time together this morning. God, we pray if there's anyone here that has never trusted you, God, that's never put their whole weight in you, Lord, and trusted in the finished work of the cross, Lord, that you would uh, draw them, Lord, to repentance and that they might be saved this morning. God, we pray if there's any uh, that have uh, been born again into the family of God and have not taken that next step of obedience and baptism, Lord, that they might be willing, Lord, to walk in obedience even this day. God, we ask for your blessing on our time together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So grateful for all of you being here this morning. If you're a guest with us, uh, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are here, and when you are ready to connect with us, we would love to connect uh, with you. Maybe this is uh, your first Sunday, or maybe you've just never uh, really connected in. We've got some uh, gifts that we'd love to share with you, some uh, things that can encourage you along uh, your walk with Christ, and Uh, We would just love to connect. You can text in. You'll see a uh, number on the screen. You can text the word guest to 828-477-4037. And when you send that in, uh, you'll uh, fill out just a quick form and it'll get some contact information uh, from you and we'll connect with you. You can text in a a prayer request there. You can can text uh, whatever and it'll come uh, to our phones here and just be able to connect there. Uh, We'd love to to spend some time with you. We have a a connect table as you leave with some gifts as well. And so uh, again, we're grateful for your uh, presence this morning. Uh, Super grateful that we will be able to celebrate baptism uh, together today. I want to just say I appreciate some of our our FCA uh, leaders uh, being here. Uh, Man, what a a blessing uh, to see Saray Thornton and Teresa Zollner. And they give uh, just a, a bunch of their time in, in investing in students in the middle school and in the high school. And as some of our students are, are baptized today, I want you to know that, that some of the fruit of your labor is being seen in that. And I thank God for your investment in our community. I thank God that, uh, that in our schools that the gospel is proclaimed, that, uh, that, that students gather uh, every week. And, and are able to uh, worship the Lord together. And so grateful for FCA. I encourage you to, uh, to just prayerfully be part of that if you're a student and prayerfully support and encourage 
uh, them along and so grateful for you. Now, we're, we're in the midst of a series called, series called Kings and Kingdoms, and we've been looking uh, at the life of some kings. We've been gleaning uh, from some, some wisdom uh, from them, and today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter number three, uh, a proverb written by King Solomon, and, and, and we're going to be looking at this call that we might learn to walk in God's way and that we might find wisdom to walk in God's will. If I were to ask all of you this morning, hey, um, how many of you desire to walk in the perfect will of God, right? We would get hands all over the place, right? Every one of us would probably say, hey, we desire to walk in his will and we would agree with that. But then if we were to look at our lives, would it really match those kind of desires? And so we're, we're always trying to find our way and even in the midst of this world, right, there, there's, there's this navigation that we do just to find our way from place to place. Now, if you're a guest with us, you, you may not know, but I'm pretty directionally challenged. I struggle with finding my way, and I'm grateful that, you know, the Lord has sent some things that we can lean on, right, some things that we can use in light of that. Thankful for GPS, thankful for technology. You know, I was uh, driving uh, my uncle uh, down to Atlanta, and they had uh, a, a newer vehicle. And when they were driving it, it was pretty cool. I'd never uh, actually driven a vehicle that, that helped you drive along the way. That was pretty cool. I was pretty excited uh, about that, right? As you would kind of get to the yellow line, it would go, and it would kind of move you back in. I was like, this is awesome. I can sleep. No. And so... <laughs> I mean, it didn't completely drive, but it, it would kind of move you back and forth. And so we're on the way down there. And I was like, this thing's awesome. And they were like, yeah, I think you can just kind of put it in cruise control and it'll put on the brakes for you. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be awesome. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to test this thing out. And so uh, all vehicles that I drive had a, have an automatic stop at the racetrack gas station where I make an ice cream cone this tall for $1.49. They lose money on me every time I come. And so there's an automatic stop there. And we pull out and I said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to test drive this thing and see how it works. So we put this thing in cruise control and we're driving. I was kind of testing it, going a little bit left. It kind of nudged back in. And then all of a sudden we get coming up to a red light and they've been telling me this thing's supposed to stop on its own. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> but I don't trust it, right? I mean, you know, I've never experienced, so I've got my foot like ready, you know, and, and I'm, cause, cause here's what we do in life when we're, you know, when we're, some people are afraid to fly like in an airplane, they're afraid to do those kind of things. Cause in those moments, right, we feel like we don't have control. And so here we are and I've got my foot, I'm ready to mash the brakes, but this thing stops like perfect, right? The same distance all the way. I'm like, this is awesome. It's like a Honda CRV. And I'm like, man, this is cool. Like all new drivers should have this, right? I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. Give it just a little bit of gas. It, it speeds up, stays the same distance. I mean, this thing's like driving for itself. And I think, man, what a blessing. And then I remind myself, you know, even as cool as that car is, I still really can't find my way around without some help. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving to Murphy to visit one of our folks that was in a rehab hospital there. And so I look up on Google, right? Cause Google's such a, a, a good help. Google maps. I'm thinking this'll be easy. And so I pull it up and you'll see kind of what I, I saw there. And, and on the top Murphy rehabilitation and nursing center. And then you'll see another Murphy rehab and nursing. And if you go about two more down, you'll see another Murphy rehab and nursing. And of course I hit the top one thinking, Hey, I, I'm going to trust this thing and I'm going to get there. And so I'm driving and I get uh, into Murphy and all of a sudden I kind of hit on some back roads and I pull in and there's this, this dirt road that's going to Slow Creek Road, if you ever want to check it out. And, yeah. and when, you, when you go there, it's a dirt road. And, and, and like, no offense if you're from Murphy, but I'm thinking, well, this is like a big rehab, but it's Murphy. Maybe it's a gravel road that, that, that's like dirt that goes to the top. Maybe this is, 
I mean, I'm thinking this could fit, no, no like a fence. And so I, I pull in and, and there's some, like a Splenda, I think that's how you pronounce it, tree trucks that are working. And they've got the road blocked and there's three of them. There's one guy that's in a big bucket and they've cut like 783,000 limbs and they're laying in the road. And I'm thinking, this is really interesting, but I really need to, to get up there and see her. I mean, I made the trip, so I'm kind of like pull over and they're looking at me and I'm kind of looking at them, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm patiently waiting, you know, but I don't want to be like, I'm really sure what to do, you know, and the guy comes over and looks at me and he says, uh, you need to get up that hill. I'm thinking, here's your sign. Yeah, like, like I'm sure, right? And so I'm, of course, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting. I said, yeah, I said, there's a lady from our church that, you know, is up the hill. And, and, and I said, she's, she's up there in rehab. My, I need to get there. And he's kind of looking at me funny, you know, and I'm I'm not thinking too much. So he calls everybody down. He says, how long are you going to be up there? I said, like an hour at least, maybe. I don't know. And he's like, okay. So they're thinking, we'll set back up. Everything will be just right. So I pull up to the top of the hill. And lo and behold, I get to the top of the hill. And there's like one house. This old man comes out on the porch. Can I help you? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm uh, looking for Jean Stamey. I, th- I think she's in rehab, but probably not here, right? And he's like, what are you looking for, son? I don't know. I said, well, I'm looking for Murphy Rehabilitation Center. And he looks at me like, here's your sign. Like, this is not it. And so he says, you're about seven miles off, son. You need to go over there and go down there. I'm thinking, okay. So, of course, I, I, I turn around. You kind of know the next adventure I had with the, with the tree truck. And they're looking at me like, man, this guy has no idea where he's at. Go to the second place on the list, still not the rehab center. Finally, I call and I, and I get some directions from the lady there. I finally uh, get there. B- but I'm reminded in the midst of all this that I'm only as good as those things that I'm leaning on, right? And I'm only uh, as good as, as this GPS information. And I'm thinking about the way we live our Christian life. And the reality is that there's a lot of things that are, that are vying for our influence. There's a lot of things that, that we have the, the choice as to whether we're going to lean on those things. And I wonder what is it that we're trusting to guide us in the midst of this broken world. And, and following the world and, and, and the ways of that GPS didn't help me much. I can assure you that following my own way, I would have been like driving around forever. But what does it look like to follow and lean on something, on someone that we can trust in the midst of this life. And what if many of us are leaning on the wrong things? Now, last week we looked at Solomon's life and we saw the danger of a heart that was led astray from worship to Yahweh, a heart that was led astray from worship to God. And we, we see in the scriptures that he started out so good, right? That he seemed to be on the right path. He seemed like everything was going so good for him. The children of Israel, they're in kind of their golden years in those moments. They build a temple for the Lord. Solomon leads all that kind of effort. They dedicate this temple. They're, they're walking and he's walking in, in such a way that's honoring God. And he's been warned, right? We read in Deuteronomy 17, there's instruction for these kings. There's instruction for the way that they're to walk. And in and, and the children of Israel, right, they've been instructed to walk in covenant faithfulness. And, and what we've seen is just this cycle of them uh, coming up and down in all those places. We see in Solomon's life that his heart was led astray uh, from worship and pure, sincere worship to God uh, by these foreign women that he had dis- been disobedient to God uh, in marrying. And we see him right in Proverbs 4.23, above everything else, above all else, guard your heart. For from it flows the very wellspring of life. And then today we're going to be in Proverbs 
3. And, and Solomon wrote this proverb, and we're going to see these instructions that we have in verse 5 and 6. And it may be a life verse for some of you. Some of you may have memorized this verse as a child. Some of us may have had this verse just ingrained in our hearts. And I pray that this morning we would have this just be something that is deep within us. And maybe we, if we haven't memorized this, that we would commit to that. And we would commit to following the direction here because God is going to give us something beautiful, right? A proverb I've heard said is a, is a short sentence that's based on a long experience. And when we think about Chinese proverbs and all these different proverbs, we can think of those things, but we have a gift in the inspired, infallible word of God, right? That, that God has given us this proverb, this divine wisdom that would teach us and instruct us in living, in, in leaning on the right things in the midst of this crazy world. And as you look in Proverbs 3, he begins, and we see even in, in verse 5 and in the verses before, that God is desiring obedience from his children, but not just simply obedience uh, in, in, in an external behavior type thing, but God is, is allowing us to see his desire for us to obey from the heart. That's what God is, is, is desiring and demanding and commanding in this passage for us to walk in. Beginning in verse five, the scripture says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now, this is a very simple text. And in this text, we find three imperatives, three commands that God has given. And then a promise where God says, you are to do these things. And then God says, and when you do these things, here's what I'm going to do in your life. We see these verses summarize really the, 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 the message that we've seen this entire year of what it looks like when we walk in God's ways and what it looks like when we lean on our own understanding, what it looks like when, when we decide to be disobedient to God and the consequences that fall from there. Deuteronomy 6, we spent some time there this year and we talked about how as a parent, it's our responsibility to teach this, this covenant faithfulness, right? And to teach our children the law, to teach them to understand and walk in God's ways. Deuteronomy 17, the king is given instruction on how he is to walk in obedience to the commands of God. And when he walks in obedience, we see the blessing that comes. And when he does not, there are the warnings of the destruction that would follow. And in these two verses, we're going to see things that if we desire to walk in the will of God, that if we'll apply the truths that we see in this passage, if we will lean into this, if we will lean in to him, that we can walk in obedience. And so the first command, the first imperative says this, right? Trust in the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to rest on him. This Hebrew word is batak, and it's this, this picture of trust. A lot of times we think of that, and we use words like faith to describe it. What does it mean to trust? We put our faith in something, and in the Hebrew language, this word is used to, to give a picture of putting our full weight in something, of, of trusting something with all of our weight. When we lay down in our bed at night, or when you came in and, and you sat in these chairs, I didn't notice anybody checking these chairs to see if they were broken or to see if there were things there. We just trusted that we were able to put our weight in those things, right? We, we trust that kind of way. When we go to sleep, we believe that it's strong enough, right? That our bed is strong enough to hold us. And, and this verse gives us this kind of picture that we trust in the Lord. We put our full weight on him, that we rest on him. And we do this. It gives us a description of how that looks, right? We do this with all of our 
heart. Now, when we think about the heart, it's this picture of everything. It's this picture of all of, of our being, that we rest on him entirely, that, that we trust in him and nothing else. And God's saying, yes, you can trust in me completely. I can sustain you. I can hold you up. I can support you. And we wonder why is it, right, that we can trust in him. And when we look in the past, we see the faithfulness of our God as we sung today that he is ever almighty, that we have a God. And, and as the kids might say at mealtime, that we have a God who is great and a God who is good, right? And when we think about the greatness of our God, when we think about those, those thousand names, right, that we call him, that we know him by, we see the faithfulness of our God. God is great. We know that he is sovereign and that he is strong and that he is able. And we know from every page of the scripture that he is good. You remember when Moses, he, he desired to see God in his glory, right? And the scripture says in Exodus 33 that God told him, he said, listen, you can't see my face. But he said, here's what I'm going to do for you. He said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And he said, my glory is going to pass by. And when I do, I'm going to allow you to see a, a glimpse of my glory. Like you can't see my face. You can't handle being in that kind of moment. But I'm going to give you a glimpse of my glory. And God reveals himself. We, we sung some of these truths today as we worshiped. And I thank God for the, the song selection and, and the, the time that Clark and the band puts into singing songs that sing truths about who our God is. We don't want to sing about who we are. We, we don't want to sing about how good we are, right? Because the reality is that, that we're not, but we have a God who is great and we have a God who is good. And Moses, he desired to see that in Exodus 34, 6, the scripture says that the Lord passed by in front of him and he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. It, it's Yahweh, Yahweh, El. And so there's this picture of the, these, these truths about God, the Lord, the Lord God. Yahweh meaning I am who I am. I am who I will be. I am God. He is unchanging. El, the title of the Lord, speaks of his might and his majesty, focuses on his power and his, his greatness, right? And, and the names of God, they reveal how great he is. And we know that we have a God who is immutable, who never changes, a God who is all-knowing who is, is omnipotent, right? Who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, uh, who sees the end from the beginning, right? Who is self-existing, is in need of nothing, who is transcendent above all things, but imminent and near to us. He is eternal. He is sovereign. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is greatly to be praised, right? There's joy in the house of the Lord, and, and we will not be silent because we have a God who is worthy of all of our praise. He is greatly to be praised and we praise his name above every name. And in that, we put our weight. We put everything in our lives. We trust him wholly. That's what these candidates that are being baptized today are, are declaring, that they have trusted in God with all of their heart, that they have believed and they have put everything on him, that they trust in him. The second thing is we're gonna resist our flesh. Right, so we're gonna rest on him. We're gonna resist our flesh. He says, lean not, second imperative, lean not on your own understanding. He says, trust in God, but don't trust in yourself. He says, lean not in your own understanding. And it's this picture, it's a contrast to this first thing where he says, trust in him, put all of your weight on him. And then it's a contrast in this verse. It says, don't lean anything. Don't lean any of your weight on your understanding. Don't lean in that 
way. And this understanding, it's not just intellectual knowledge about God. It's not just intellectual capacity that we might have. We're not leaning on our smarts. We're not leaning on those kind of things. But he's talking about our moral standards. And what we see is our version of what's right and wrong must be measured against the word of God. Our understanding, our private vision. Listen, there's not a private vision of what truth is. And there's not a private version of what's right and wrong. We have the infallible, inerrant word of God that declares to us what morality is. It declares to us who our God is. And so we don't trust ourselves. And here's the way it manifests in our culture. It manifests in our culture when we, when we see people that are saying, here's what I'm doing with my life. I'm going my own direction. Uh, you know, I, I, I know, I know I'm married, but listen, there's somebody else at work that makes me happy. And, and there's something I, they, they kind of pay attention to me and I'm no longer going to walk in this covenant of faithfulness that I have between my spouse. I'm going to pursue a different thing. And surely God desires that I might be happy in my life. And so we begin to say those kind of things. And what we need to understand is that God is at work in our life and he is working to conform us to the image of his son. And God is more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness. And so when we have these kind of things that we're walking in, these kind of things that that are coming into our lives, like the world says, hey, follow your heart. The world says, listen, follow your heart. And the world that's telling you to follow your heart, an unregenerate world that's not been born again into the family of God, Jeremiah would tell us that our heart, that an unregenerate heart is deceitfully wicked. And who could know it? The, the, The scriptures would tell us that there's a way that seems right unto a man, that there are things that we would think would be right and that would bring us happiness and that would do those kind of things. And the world says, hey, follow your heart. The world says, you do you. And that means whatever works for you, you do that, you do you, and I'll do me. That's what the world says. The world says, hey, if you're struggling, then you can find some strength from within yourself. The, the world says, hey, you can, you can get through these kind of things on your own, right? This is the place that we're at. Now, what about for believers who are in Christ? The scripture says that, that, that our hearts are so wicked and so evil that God gives us a new heart, that if anyone is in Christ, that, that he is a new creature, that old things are passed away and all things become new. So God gives us a new heart and we have a new desire. But then he says, listen, you better be careful because there's an old flesh that is warring against your spirit. There's an old flesh that is desiring to be fed and there's appetites that are uncontrollable. And in Galatians 5, there's this laundry list. He said the work of the flesh or this. And he lists out all of these horrid sins. And then he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness. Listen, we see all those kind of things. Verse 16 in Galatians, he said, walk then in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Because here's how life works. The flesh sets its desire, verse 17, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. See, our flesh can lead us astray. And so we trust in the Lord. We rest everything on him and we don't rest anything. We don't lean anything in just simply our understanding and our perceptions and our, our say, Hey, you know what? This is how I feel in this moment. You do you, right? That's not what we are doing, right? Because we recognize that. See, there's, we were driving the other day and I was marinating on this passage and we were in Greensburg as we were coming by, there was a building there. And on the very top of this building were the word self-help, right? And that's what the world says that you are great and that you can do all of these things. But we recognize, right? That apart from Christ and apart from an abiding relationship with him, that we will go the wrong 
way. And so not only do we rest on him, not only do we, do we, do we resist our flesh, but we rely on him. Now you say, you know what, doesn't that sound similar to, to this trust in the Lord with all your heart? Isn't that what that means to rely on him? Well, many of us that would declare, hey, I've, I've trusted in the Lord with all my heart, my full weight. I, I've surrendered my life to him. I've rested everything on him. The way that we live our life day to day does not look like people that are relying on him. See, we've got to rely on him. We've got to lean in to him. He says this, in all your ways. How much of your ways? All your ways. That's the little things and the big things. Some of us say, hey, I would love to know God's will for my life. This is how you know God's will for your life. You rely on him in the little things and in the big things. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. This word acknowledge, it's a word in the Hebrew. It's yada in the Hebrew. And it means this. It's this picture of knowing him, of this, this relationship with him, of this attitude of worship and prayer, where his presence is the center of everything, where his presence is the center of all of our lives. And we are relying on him in our daily activities, in everything that we do. We live in relationship with him. Many times through our day, Sherry and I will talk There'll be decisions that we need to make. And I'll say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? We read in the scriptures, right? That we're to pray without ceasing, right? That we're to have relationship with our God who in the power of his spirit has given us a comforter and a guide. And we lean into him. And when we don't know, what do we, what, what do, we, what do, we do? Right? We dig into his word. And you cannot know the will of God if you would have been one of those that would have lifted your hand and said, I desire to know the will of God, you cannot know the will of God apart from the word of God. You cannot know the will of God and and not be committed to being in the word of God. And we daily are in the word of God. We daily are leaning into him. We're seeking that wisdom. And what what if we don't know? We turn to the word. We turn maybe to godly counsel. We turn to people who we trust and are following God, but, but we expect them to point us to the word, right? It doesn't really matter what my opinion is. It matters what God's word says and his word stands. We lean into those things. We seek peace from him as we make decisions, but we trust in him. We center our lives on him. We, we trust in him with everything in our lives. See, the world wants to say, you have your truth and I'll have my truth. But what I want you to understand is that we walk in the will of God when we submit to the truth. We take all of our feelings, we take all of the, the things in our life and we, and we line them up with the word of God. And when things in our life don't match with the word of God, we recognize that and we say, God, I'm wrong and you're right and I submit to you as Lord because I know that you're great and I know that you're good. And, and because of that, I trust you in every area of my life. So we trust in him. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We lean not on our own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him. Those three things, right? We do those things and then God says, here's what I'm going to do for you. God says, you do those things. That's your responsibility. That's how you walk in the midst of this life. And then the scripture says, and he will make your path straight. This is a promise from God. In the Old Testament times, right, the roads 
right? Even in, even in today, some of the roads are pretty rough, right? We, we bounce around and we have those kind of things. But in the Old Testament times, these roads were treacherous, right? And, and travel was, was weary. And, and when a king, though, would take a journey, some of his servants would go before him and, and he, they, they would remove the obstacles, right? They would remove the rocks. They would remove things and they would prepare a smooth way for him to travel. They would make his path straight. This is the kind of image that we read about as John the Baptist prepares the way from Jesus. In his role in preparing the way for Jesus, we read in Isaiah chapter 40, a voice is calling clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert highway for our God. So he says, trust in the Lord with everything. Put all your weight on him. Lean not on yourself for anything. Lean not in your own understanding but in all your ways, acknowledge him, know him in relational context every day. Allow him to lead and guide your life. And God says, and I will make your path straight. And so God goes before us. And now the promise is not that, that sometimes we equate God going before us and making our path straight, meaning that there's no difficulty that we face in our life, that we never have any hard spots, right? But that's not what we see in the word of God. Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble, that we're going to go through tough times, but that if we'll rest everything on him, if we will lean on him and not on ourselves, if we will walk in that, then God will make it clear for us his will and his purpose and his plan and that we can live in the midst of a broken world with purpose and with passion and with power as God lives his life in and through us right we as followers of Jesus Christ our, our role is not to live for Jesus but to live our lives in a way that Jesus lives his life in and through us the world says trust yourself the gospel says deny yourself and follow me. We walk in wisdom. We follow Jesus. We submit to his authority in our life and he prepares the way for us. You know, all these yous, if, if you read and, and just look at this text in its original language, all these yous, sometimes yous are, are plural and it gives us this picture of God speaking to all of his people and to us as a church that if we will do this and we'll do that. But in this passage, they're, they're singular pronouns. And, and so there's this picture for every single one of you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a desire that we might walk worthy of the calling that he has placed in our life, that we might be light in the midst of this dark world. And, and he has revealed so much of his will to us in his word. He will lead us you can know his will. You can live in fellowship with him day in and day out, and you can walk in his way. So how do we find it? How, how do we walk in God's will? How do we know what God's will is for our life? We start with this recognition that it's not lost, right? God's will is not lost. And follower of Jesus Christ, the scripture says that you've been bought with a price and that you're to glorify God in your body. And we declare that we are his. God's will is not lost and it's not your life. When we realize those two things, it's amazing how God will work. And so how do we find it? What do we do? And I want to encourage you that we just begin in this moment. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, I'm not worried about tomorrow. You know, Jesus told us, Take no thought for tomorrow. He said, hey, listen, today has enough trouble 
of itself. But he said, I'm not, I'm not worried about tomorrow. He said, I follow him today. And today will turn in to tomorrow. So if you want to know what God's will is for your life, in every moment of every day, independence and relationship with him. You desire to glorify him and you desire to walk in his will in every moment. We live in a culture which has so many times church on Sunday morning and then we go out and we live however we want to. I want you to understand every moment of our life, there is no separation between the sacred and the secular for a Jesus follower. Every moment is lived for the glory of God. Today turns into tomorrow. The way to find God's will for the rest of your life is to do God's will for the next 15 minutes of your life and then the next 15 minutes of your life and to live in fellowship with him and desire and submission to his will, walking in his plan, walking in his way. Those of you that are being baptized today, what a blessing, right? They are walking in obedience to God. We see in the scripture that as folks would place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as they would surrender their life to Christ, that the very first step of obedience was to be baptized as a believer. Throughout the New Testament, anytime we see baptism, it is always after someone has surrendered their life to Christ and have been born again into the family of God. And there's a beautiful picture that is taking place. It's a, it's a blessing that we as a church get to come and, and watch and partake in this moment. And, and it proclaims the gospel, right? It gives a picture of, of what has happened on the inside. And it's a declaration. Uh, Kelly Trammell, will you stand up and hold your left hand up and shine it around just a little bit? Maybe wave it just a little bit. Yeah. On that hand is an engagement ring, right? Let's give Kelly a, a hand, right? We're, we're super excited for her. And, and if I'd asked her to stand up and Ethan had given her that ring two weeks ago and I'd asked her to stand up and she said, like, I don't have it, right? Or, or this morning, right? I'm, I'm here and I've got this ring on and this ring means something. What's it mean? What's it mean? Come on, you guys help me. I'm married. What's it mean right now? Am I not married anymore? No, I'm still married, right? But it declares to the world that she is my bride and that I belong to her and that she belongs to me. And as we walk in obedience, right, Jesus gave us this command that we would go into all the world and that we would preach and teach the gospel, right, and that we would baptize. He gave us this command. And so we walk in obedience to his command. Jesus demonstrated that to us and, and and we see this beautiful picture, right, of this public declaration of faith that we have a, the blessing of taking part in. It, it gives a picture of the gospel that, that the old man is dead, that we've been buried with him in baptism, right? That's the picture of, of going under, that we've been buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life. Baptism doesn't save us. We're baptized because we are saved. And it is a declaration to this world. And I want to encourage you. This morning, if you've never taken that next step of obedience and being baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're going to be going to the river here in just a few minutes. And I want to encourage you to begin walking in obedience with that next step today, that you might publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ. What is your next step in following Christ? What is it for you? What is it that God is calling you to
He desires that every one of us, that we would live lives fully surrendered, fully committed to him. So we rest on him. We resist our flesh. We're going to experience temptation. And with every temptation is an opportunity for us to obey in the power of the Spirit. So we walk in the Spirit day by day. And when we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of our flesh. And we rely on Him for every single moment. And as His people, we walk gratefully in the path that He has laid before us. Ephesians 2.10 says that if you are in Christ... He says that you are his workmanship. You're his poeme in the Greek, his, his masterpiece. I love to say, and I've said it so often this year, that God takes broken pieces and he makes masterpieces. And if you're in Christ, the scripture says that you are his masterpiece. Don't let this world tell you anything different. These, Jesus doesn't look at our past. And can I remind you, if you are in Christ, that we, our purity is not defined by our past, but our position in Christ. God is through the power of the gospel, right? Through his finished work on the cross has made a way for us, the unrighteous, to become righteous in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, walking in obedience, even, even in this picture in Proverbs, it's this picture of walking by faith. That's what God has called all of us to do, to trust in the Lord instead of ourselves, to walk by faith, to believe the gospel. This is the command that we all have, and there's some bad news really in the midst of it. Because the bad news is, is we've all been commanded to walk in this way. But the truth is that none of us have perfectly walked in his way. None of us have perfectly trusted God instead of ourselves. None of us have done those things. None of us, in, in verse 7, he says to turn from evil, right? And none of us have done that in our own strength. None of us have done that. And we have seen as we've walked through the scriptures that the children of Israel did not walk and keep the covenant. Neither did David. We saw beautiful things about his life, moments where giants were falling and God was working in the midst of his life. But we also saw those moments where uh, he was committing adultery and murder. And we see in Solomon's life, these beautiful things that were taking place as he walked in faithfulness to God. And then we see his heart led astray and we see the division of the kingdom. And we see those, those tremendous impacts. And as we continue to walk through the scripture and we look at the kings and we look at the prophets, we're going to see that none of his sons did either. And the reality is that none of us have walked and kept in those kind of covenant. But the good news that comes against the backdrop of the bad news is Jesus is the son that comes and he does it perfectly. He lives a life in our place. And the good news is, right, he never sinned and he kept every piece of the covenant. He lived before the father. And, and, and here in our, uh, if we have placed our faith in in Christ, if we believe in him, Jesus represents us before the Father. He took our consequences. He took the consequences of our rebellion. He took all of our sins. Second Corinthians 5 says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He took all of our sin and all of our shame, and it was nailed on the cross, right, that Jesus died in our place. He took the consequences of my rebellion and my unrighteousness. He took it all upon himself, and he offers us, he offers followers 
followers of Jesus Christ, as we read about the consequences of breaking the covenant, as we read about the consequences of our sin, the scripture says that there's none of us that are righteous, not even one, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, the wages of sin, and we've seen it from the very beginning as we started this year in Genesis chapter three, that the wages of sin is death, separation from God, as Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. And then as by one man, sin entered into the world, that, that first Adam, right, the, the sin entered into the world. And the scripture says that, that, that because of that, right, that we as children of Adam, right, we inherit a sin nature. And that we as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, because death passed upon all men, because all have sinned. We're sinners by nature and by choice. But the good news is that Jesus in our place died on the cross of Calvary. And, and he, he lived a sinless life, was born of a virgin, stepped out from the very glories of heaven, born as a baby, lived a sinless life, died in our place. And when we look to the cross and we see the good news of the gospel and we recognize that when Jesus died on that cross, that it counted for me. And I believe in that with everything that Jesus came, that he lived that sinless life. He died on the cross. He was placed in a barred tomb. And on the third day, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he rose from the grave victorious. And when he rose from the grave victorious, listen, we have been given the ability to have a relationship with God. Our relationship can be restored through surrender and believing on him. And it's this beautiful picture that we put all of our weight. What is it that you would stand on before God? Why is it that he would be able to let you into his heaven? What is it that you would do? And listen, your good can't outweigh your bad. There's nothing that we could do. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. And when we look to the cross and we see the work of Christ on the cross, we believe that when he died on the cross, it counted for me, that he was dying in my place, literally for my sin. And we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means he's in charge, he is great, and he is mighty, and he is Lord. And we believe in our heart. There's that word again. We believe in our heart. That means that with everything, with all that we have, we trust in him. We rest everything, not on our work, but on the finished work of the cross. We are born again into the family of God. And we are made right with God. That relationship is restored. So if you've never trusted Jesus for salvation this morning, I want to invite you just to put your whole weight on him, to rest everything on him, to go all in for the glory of his name, surrendering your life to him, recognizing that it is only through the work of Christ that you can be saved. And if you've been saved today, don't be sitting out there engaged or married and ashamed to declare to the world what would you have thought if Kelly had said, hey, I don't wear it, but on Thursday? He'd have been pretty disappointed, right? What's she ashamed of? What's the, what's the thing? And if we've been born again into the family of God, we need to declare to this world beginning today by walking in obedience that we are his. And we need to praise his name.